This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's King of Swing fighting though. Oh, he's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untapped in front, untapped holding on. What a win. Untapped from the Harrison Sandler Cup. And it's very elegant. Ten group bucks. And now the greatest of them all, the Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the codes. See, Craig, I was letting the ooh-oohs go on a bit longer and then you faded me down. We've got to get this ooh-ooh thing happening. Uh, hey, uh, welcome to Cracking the Code. Simone and Dan are with me. It's a terrific day of racing today at Caulfield. Into Dominion Qualifier at Tabcourt Park Melton tonight with the running of the Westburn Grant. And there's been stacks going on in uh, Greyhound racing, as is always the case. So lots to talk about. Uh, how are you guys? Yeah, good, good morning, thanks, Matt. You had morning, best show ever last week. All the best shows seem to be when there seems to be they co- coincide with me not Your being with you know one day one day I'll be part of a really good show but that I did listen back uh, I listened at the time and then back again I had to listen to Lance Justice twice that was uh, um, it was a t- it brought tears to Simone's eyes Dan's and it was Dan and it was a tearjerker wasn't it I had tears in my eyes and I'm looking at Simone and she had tears rolling down her cheeks so we couldn't look at each other um uh, backed up by um, the the video that we saw on Twitter as well it, it look uh, it was heartwarming in the end because it was such a positive result for a horse. This was six and a half years ago. The horse was bitten by a snake, was very crook, comes back, wins multiple races, and is still racing and is pretty much the part, the inspiration for our theme both last week and today. Did they work out what sort of snake? Because um, you know how we all have our fascinations, and I was watching a doco on YouTube the other day about the world's deadliest snakes. Uh, mm. was it, it wasn't a taipan, was it? Oh, no, well, that's the deadliest. He definitely would have <laughs> perished if that was the case. But uh, the inland Taipans at the top of the tree, I think we've got seven of the top ten deadliest in Australia. Uh, that area, Melton Rock <laughs> Did Pack you know that, Simone? That you learn something Tiger about you snake, every day, Dan. Tiger Snake Territory oh. it is indeed. I've had them here at my place before. And uh, Anyway, we had a good chat about that <laughs> last week, didn't we? But, uh, yeah. yeah, Tiger Snakes uh, are king around this particular area. And Simone, We've even had them at Melton Racetrack. Yeah, right. Well, there was a great photo. The the Cairns races. No, was it was it oh, Darwin? A couple of the Cairns. That yeah. no, was the Cairns, Cairns. Cairns. Yeah. It wasn't a small snake, Simone, that they photographed no. crawling across the, the 600 metre mark, was it? I, I actually sent that photo to Dan because we'd been talking about it and um, it was like an anaconda, wasn't it? It was huge. Mm. Snakes don't bother me. I'm not worried about them, but I don't want them, you know, coming up to me. But um, And it's when they give you a fright, I think, but... You know, if you see one over in the distance, it, it's fine. We don't really have it. We haven't had any at this property, actually. Had one next door but um, when I was walking down the road, but um, haven't had any here. But they're not something that bothers me when they're in their space and I'm in mine. But I did see Lance Justice on Saturday night at Melton. I was working there on the track and um, he was, I think he was quite chuffed and proud as well that he said, you know, the show came across really well and I, I said it did I said I just get so emotional about these things it's a bit too close to home when you've, when you've got horses yourself and you've had had to go through procedures and veterinary treatment and obviously nothing for me as mm. serious as um, loving a Chevy but I gave him a pat the horse and um, saw him on the track and yeah look at you wouldn't know any different but a lovely lovely horse and just a beautiful story in the end. The part that I think really touched everyone, um, like we saw uh, photos, and I think a lot of people would have seen the, um, uh, I, I think it was Twitter, the, the social media feed, the videos of, of the horse and how sick he looked. He looked gravely ill, but 
when when Lance talks about what he what they did to get him back to his feet, and when he he, he could only get so far, he only had so much energy, and he would collapse, and then he'd pick up the horse in the bucket of the tractor. He, he, I mean, just think about that in your own head when when Lance was explaining that. I think that's the part that everyone just thought, wow, you, you know, you've gone above and beyond. And, and that was the catalyst, wasn't it? He, he picked him up one day in the bucket of the tractor, uh, <laughs> like scooped him up. And uh, from that day, he, he sort of had words with the horse and, and, and the horse progressed. He could have gone south, but he went north. And, uh, and, uh, and look what's happened today. It was mm. quite phenomenal, Simone. It really was. And the other thing, Dan, you know, there's many, many horse owners who love their horses as dearly as what the justices obviously love, love in a Chevy, but don't have the means for, to facilitate a recovery or that 24-hour around-the-clock care. So I think the fact that, you know, people were saying that, you know, the horses, maybe you should say goodbye to him, um, and they actually had the the means to be able to fight and see if this horse could come out the other end. I think that speaks volumes about them as well, um, that it's not just about the money. They were wanting this horse to recover. And if he never raced again, it, it didn't matter. And unfortunately for many people, they would love to be in that position where they could do that for their horse, but just, you know, for financial reasons or even just not having the facilities to be to be able to what's the word rehabilitate a horse <laughs> um it's you know it's unfortunate and i just think you know we hear these stories about people thinking that racing's just for the money and i think that is the absolute opposite and um, there was no prospect of financial gain at the end it was purely for the love of the horse it's amazing isn't it look there was an interesting contradiction in a way uh, it involved tommy smith and so his first grade horse, Tullock, got so sick. And I remember the quote, and uh, he had this disease, Dan, you, you'll probably recall vaguely the same as me, that he scoured for two years. He couldn't hold condition, and he just scoured and scoured and scoured. And Tommy Smith's quote was, he spent two years scouring, leaning against a post. The horse was so ill, he just, you know, to support himself, he leaned against a post in the stables and scoured and scoured. And Percy Sykes... The legendary Sydney vet um, slowly, slowly nursed Tullock back to uh, to good health, and he came back. and His comeback win was at the Lord's Stake. It was at Caulfield, I think, and it was an amazing day. And but the funny thing with Tommy Smith was when Kingston Town was retired, and they were going to parade him one day at the races in Sydney as like a a celebrity. Tommy Smith wouldn't apparently, reportedly, wouldn't let him take a box at his stables at Tullock Lodge because. Um, they were for racehorses, not retired horses. So there was no sentiment there with you know, letting Kingston Town spend a night in a box because he wasn't uh, going to earn any money. But he did spend two years nursing the great Tullock back to health. Yeah, he did. And, and he came back just as good. And um, the, the, he did race against Lord. It was the Queen's Plate against the, the... Lord took over as being the champion horse of Australia at the time. And, and they came back and met at... Uh, it was the Queen's birthday weekend at Flemington in 1960. Um, mm. And, yeah, two years off the scene. So it's, it's often talked about as one of the greatest uh, races of all time. Poppy... With the screw, I remember the, we've yeah. discussed this before on the show, but this is how big harness, big, how big popular arm was, and how big harness racing was. It was either the front or back page, and we have discussed it before. But the X-ray, uh, popular arm's leg was on the back page of the Melbourne Sun, uh, with the, the picture of the screw in his knee um, as part of his rehabilitation, and and he's 
And I remember when Manicato became gravely ill, there was there was this daily media vigil about um, how was Manicato going before he actually died and, and so on. So, the, yeah, it's not always that way, Simone, is it? I mean, we know that there's a hard edge to the, all three of the codes. There is a hard edge. There's no doubt about that. But there's also a soft, a very soft part as well. There's no doubt about that. Oh, that's right. I think, well, you have to have a hard edge, don't you? You have to make decisions that are in the best interests for the animal's welfare. And you, you sort of think if this was a human, would we want them to endure that? Or what's the best that we can do for them to make them comfortable? And look, I think most people in racing and, and even in farming and things like that, they, they do have the animal's interest because, you know, they want them to, the animal people, they want them to have a good, happy life. But obviously there's a few that don't. But it's these stories that I think we really just need to keep reflecting upon because it does show that caring human element um, behind the scenes of racing. There's something endearing about horses, uh, and I'm not just talking about horses that have had to come through injury or illness, but longevity uh, is key. Uh, you know, I still rate Manicato as the best sprinter I've seen simply because of his longevity. Black Caviar one-on-one, I think we probably all agree, would probably beat Manicato, but Black Caviar could never win a Blue Diamond or Golden Slipper, and, and so on and so forth. But race to a, a, an, a, an age, but there are horses that go to far more of an extreme age for one reason or another, which is part of uh, the inspiration for, mm. in part, last week and this week's show. Van der Hum, of course, the Melbourne Cup winner, six years after he won a Melbourne Cup, he was winning over hurdles. That's Just on that, and, that is amazing yeah. because yeah. I don't think even racing historians are aware of... Everyone thinks about the Van der Hum Melbourne Cup... Um, and the rain and all that sort of stuff, but I don't think anyone remembers uh, the, what what yeah. happened to Vanderham after that. Well, that's right. I I, I wasn't. I, I thought he went over jumps, but didn't realise he actually had a quite a distinguished career as a jumper. That was over hurdles, and then as a thirteen-year-old, mm. he ended up going over the bigger fences. So he was a steeplechaser, and this is a horse that won uh, a Melbourne Cup. Um, there's been oh, oh, last week too. I was able to find a race that we've talked about on Cracking the Codes previously, and you and I, and, and I think we've got now Simone into the mix, the crisp red rum clash in that 1973 Grand National. When we, were, we wouldn't have even been four years old then, Matt. You're, actually, you would have been. I would have been just before. <laughs> oh, four. a little um, jab to the ribs there. It always One, comes out. Always it? comes, doesn't it? One of the greatest races of all time. But I, I remember I did a bit of research and found out that there was a so-called rematch about six months later at Doncaster. Couldn't find a whole lot about it. Anyway, I, I found the audio. I found the vision and the audio, and, and I played it on Racing Pulse last week. And Red Rum at level weights uh, destroyed Red Rum. Uh, uh, sorry, Crisp at level weights, one by ten lengths. And uh, I thought it was extraordinary vision. It wasn't the greatest of race calls, unfortunately. I probably should have dubbed it over with someone else's voice, but it, it might well have deserve more well probably someone else with an English accent actually Matty would have done a good job because he's not big somewhere between a Jim Houlihan mm. and an English accent mm. he would have done it perfectly but oh, yeah. I felt like I found a nugget of gold to come up with that as as, as we did with the Vanderhum last week but um, so goes our show today Red Rum won his third Grand National at Aintree as a 12 year old but there's been a lot of other notable uh, winners, particularly in, in the galloping ranks. We might go now, speaking of jumping, when, when I tell you this particular story, Matt, you scratch your head and, you, and you're going to half doubt me. You're going to three-quarter doubt me. You're gonna I might totally sort of doubt think, you. Oh, you never know. Surely, surely not. Surely not. It's too early in the morning for me to have had a drink. Sure, there's the carryover from last night where you think there could be a little bit in your system. Now, the oldest horse post-war 
to win a race, right, that I've come yep. up with was an 18-year-old in 1980 in England. Now, in one of the horse's last starts, the jockey was the same age as the <laughs> horse, 18. He won two races as an 18-year-old. 1980, this was. Sunny Summers was the horse. And guess what? I found a video clip. Oh, well done. And an audio clip. Here it is. Coming to the home turn now, and it's Brown Admiral on the right of the picture from Sunny Summers. These two, and in fact, Sunny Summers is twice the age of Brown Admiral. Brown Admiral, the younger vice, a full seven years as they come now into this 17th and final fence. On the right, Brown Admiral, on the left, Sunny Summers. Nothing in it. Sunny Summers, another little peck, but they're level still. On the run in. Who can find the better turn of foot? Brown Admiral or Sunny Summers? Absolutely nothing in it. Sunny Summers, I think, is finding the turn of foot. He is. It's Sunny Summers going on from. Not Brown Admiral, not a lot in it, but just enough for Sunny Summers at the line. Sunny Summers is the winner. A terrific performance by the old horse in second place, Brown Admiral. Uh, he was old enough to vote, but he, I don't think he would have voted for the Greens somehow, Sunny Summers. Uh, no, no. He would have been retired a decade earlier probably if that was... <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 just before we introduce who um, our guests are going to be, and one of them ties in beautifully to uh, uh, the archives of very, very old horses, uh, I know we played this on uh, the show before, but someone, this, Simone, you and I often talk about um, Rod's racing and he tweets all this great footage that no one's seen for ages. Dan's great at finding as well. A girl called Bobby with a start with a sun emoji after it. That's her Twitter handle, Bobby with a with the sun. So I was Bobby, B-O-6-6-I-E-29. Originally tweeted this, but I've retweeted it. It's this great archival footage of the 1896 Melbourne Cup. And all, it's been colourised, so rarely do you get any video that you can almost transplant yourself. And there's footage of the people with their lovely outfits getting off the train and then the, the, the sense of the crowd scene. And you even get a really good sense of the facial expressions and the day they're having, you know. So um, if anyone wants to, um, uh, yeah, like t try and take themselves back in time, then that's, uh, that's a really good one. And I have retweeted it, so you can find it there. It is a lovely clip, and I'm 100% sure we've played that on the show. Oh, we're probably due to play it again, but we have at some point. But I'm just wondering, Matt, um, when you look back how, how long ago that was, what was it, 1930 or something? 1896. Oh, 1896. I wonder in 100 and, what would that be, 126 years, whether people would want to look back at what's happening in 2022 with some of the race goers. I just wonder... Um, they Sorry, I just played a bit of audio back from then, it. Don't they? Yeah. And you look at the they horses. They look a bit classy back then, and you, you think, oh, well, they want to be looking at what the girls and the guys are doing. You know, I'm trying to look future, at people in the background now. to see what they're doing. I'm looking at it now, and the, the, it would have taken everyone four hours to get dressed. They've all got 78 layers of clothing and fob jacket, you know, fob watch jackets and waistcoats, and it, the horses look absolutely gorgeous. I'm trying to think, Dan, do they look different than the horses of today? There's a beautiful big chestnut sort of... I don't know what he's doing on it. He's sort of charging through the crowd. Everyone's got a moustache and a, a, um, yeah. a, a, a uh, what do you call it, a pipe. It's, I, I can't help but it's feel that this is watch, an era that it? I would have felt more comfortable in. Look at that. Not as much optical as these days at the races, Dan, if you know what I mean. They were very, it was well pre-Gene Shrimpton, wasn't it? Uh, well, what, what, what would you be expecting in those sorts well, of days? New Haven, 
won the cup that year. Yeah, and there's footage of old New Haven getting the money, and everyone's waving their hats around. Everyone wore a hat, so there was no uh, melanoma issue back then. Everyone was very conscious. Well, there might have been a few years later, maybe not that year, but uh, it might have caught up with them a few years later. But um, what what would the crowd have been that year? It looks huge. It looks absolutely huge. It, it but it's does, hard it to looks tell. There's massive, no, doesn't it? Yeah, you don't get a massive panorama shot, but this is going to be really tricky for our listeners who are listening to me trying to describe a video. But what I'm saying is go and watch the video, uh, see it on my Twitter handle, and you'll get a really good sense of it. And anyone who's got any archival stuff, just keep pumping it through because it's so rare. And, Dan, some of the stuff you find... Uh, is amazing, um, uh, and and uh, and others do as well. There's something amazing, especially the colorized stuff as well. So, um, yeah. yeah. So just keep it coming in, and we'll describe it over the airways, and people can then go and look at what we're talking about. Hey, um, speaking about what we're talking about, um, we were talking about very old horses and very old greyhounds. Uh, who have we got coming up this morning, Dan? Along those lines. Well, we'll get into the, the harness ranks, and I, I needed a bit of help here, so I've called on Lynn Baker, who uh, everyone loves, and we've had him on Cracking the Codes before, a bit of a historian, and he can go back a, a decade or two or three before we can, uh, Matt, and talk about some of the older horses. We could remember a couple, but we needed his assistance, and we'll have a chat about some of the, the older horses. Probably um, back in the days, we were wearing nappies even, but they were formidable horses, made an impression on us, and uh, Lenny's going to have a chat about uh, some famous older horses and horses that won lots of races as well. Yeah, and before we do that, just before we take a break, just we, we need a little catch-up. So, Simone, you ran into Lance Justice at the Trots last Saturday night. Um, what's been happening in your greyhound slash harness world in the last week? Anything exciting? Oh, I, look, I, the track was closed over July, so I didn't do a lot of um, work, or well, obviously no work at all. So it's my first shift back on track for a little while and so it, it's nice I do like being out there and seeing the horses and I, I must say the Tyndales hats off to them with their horse my superannuation I know they don't have a pick of the yard or pick on the track at the harness but if ever there was gee my superannuation what a, a stunning mare she was absolutely beautiful like maybe it's just the type of horse that I would look for if I was to go and purchase one she just had sensational confirmation but um, looked amazing as well so that um, with the greyhounds just plenty of racing going on million dollar chase heats happening up in New South Wales the regional heats um, the sprint national distance and sprint finals were held Thursday night across the country as well so plenty happening in the world of greyhound racing and we do have a greyhound guest this morning as well um, talking about greyhounds and horses that have had long uh, longevity and also Lots of wins, and we've got Gary Selkrig joining us to talk about the Iron Dog Stagger, who, for any Greyhound listeners, he doesn't really need a lot of introduction, but uh, a great story with Stagger. He's had a lot of starts and a lot of wins, so looking forward to that chat too. Dan, you're a very good historian, but we've, I think you were going to even trump yourself with our, with our guest who's going to talk to us about those horses and uh, those harness horses who had so much longevity. Who's, who's our historian? Uh, Lenny Baker will be joining us in just a moment. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Maliki and Simone Fisher. Cracking the codes. Indeed we are on this Saturday morning. And Simone, last week we talked about Love and a Chevy and the great story there, but we had a wonderful segue into that with uh, the chat about the Greyhound Filthy Phantom, the South Australian. There's a lot of positive feedback about Filthy Phantom. 
There certainly was. They loved it over in South Australia and they put plenty of media out about the, the interview. And, of course, he's a dog that they all love. He's had 307 starts now, which is... Well, the, the next dog behind him is King Kinlock, who has had 231. So it gives you some indication of the longevity of that, that greyhound as well. And he's six and a quarter. But, Dan, a horse that we spoke about last week was Mr Douglas. And at 15 years of age, he had his 298 start. It's quite remarkable. And you had the call of this race. It's four-star special, but Hell of a Night gets off the pegs. Then Mr. Douglas, the old boy, four-star special in front. He's like an embryo compared to the old-timers, but he's raced away in the straight four-star special. Mr. Douglas, who's only a couple of years of betting and drinking and voting, it's going to get to second, but four-star special won it. Second, Mr. Douglas. Third, Sarah and Prince has got through. Making ground was Braymore. Weakening late was Hell of a Night after looking. You've squeezed a lot in there, Dan, into a few short strides. Well done. Uh, and you, you kind of summed it up. It's amazing. You know, the horse can be literally a voting age when you think, is it seven to yeah. one, Simone? What's it, horses to human, is it the same as greyhounds? I think, do horses live longer than greyhounds or vice versa? You know, the well, seven to yeah, one rule, um, seven years equals one in human years or something? Oh, roughly. Well, for but dogs, I think they say 30. that, don't they? I don't, know if, I don't yeah. know if dogs living to 30, Matt. No, that's what I mean. So it must you know. be five to one or something, and then seven oh, to one for sure. oh, anyway. Hey, you oh, know the best. I think the, it, it varies. I best, think it varies, and it, it gets less and less as they get older, doesn't it? The something best. Like that. The best way to talk about old timers, Dan, is to get an old timer on to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> so so we. We'll, so we've are you trying to is that our segue to introduce well Lenny Baker I see there? I it sounded a little bit unkind so now I want you to introduce Lenny Baker so I can distance myself <laughs> from the old timer comment. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about a lover of harness racing, someone whose uh, maturity goes beyond uh, our years, uh, Matthew, and remembering that you're slightly older than I am. <laughs> this is very important on the subject that we're uh, we're talking about this morning. We, we talked about Mr. Douglas. He won a race at Melton as a 15-year-old uh, not that long ago. He actually had one start as a 16-year-old and was retired in 2015. He had 300 starts. But he's not a lone wolf, and, uh, and Len Baker uh, has got a great memory. We chatted yesterday about some of the horses that uh, we recalled and bang he could tell me the colors who trained them what breeding it was and I thought to myself Lenny you better come on and have a chat to us this morning and it's great to have you back on again Lenny thank you good morning Dan g'day Matt and hello uh, Simone how are you how are you mate you well I'm well thank you very good very good Bad of COVID not so long ago, but got over that okay. Oh, well done, well done. Hey, just settle one thing for us. Uh, maybe my memory's playing tricks because Dan's usually rock solid with these things. When I was at St. Pat's boarding school, it wasn't the best year of my life for other reasons, but uh, <laughs> there was a trotter going around called Big Jake. And I remember one of the teachers and I, I think he was one of the Christian brothers, used to love following Big Jake. And one of my teachers' name was Jake Farley. So I think he was in on it as well. I have a, re a recollection that Big Jake raced on and on and on through his teens, but the records show that he uh, that he didn't advance beyond nine. But is my memory playing tricks on me, or do you have a recollection no, no, of Big Jake racing on? I actually thought that Big Jake was one of these horses in this category, but I looked at his following date, and, and uh, he didn't. So, uh, But one of his stable mates by the name of Ken Bill did. It was foaled in 1990 and, and went on and on and on. These horses, of course, when claiming races are introduced, it, it gave the older horses an opportunity to race further. But um, 
which they did. And, and as you said earlier, there's been so many uh, that have gone on through the not only the claiming grades, but through other races as well. And Ben Yol from Tasmania is over here campaigning in, in Victoria, has been for a few months there. He's got a couple of real old-timers going around week in, week out. I was going to ask you, were the old-timers more a thing of the past uh, with you know, the old-school horses and their old-school pedigrees and the way we used to race them and treat them or whatever? Or can the modern standard bred race as long as the old-fashioned standard bred? I wouldn't imagine so. You know, the modern standard bred is, is, is uh, pumped up with vitamins and everything else. They, they get so much now to assist their performances, uh, which is all on the board, of course, that uh, I, I don't think that they could go through a... a a uh, campaign like the old timers used to. I'm looking at a race book from 1979. It's the A.G. Hunter Cup uh, race book of 1979. And in the trotting handicap, I'll just run through some of the horses, and it actually lists their age here because for a long time all they ever had was an aged horse and didn't tell you uh, what age they actually were. But in this book it does... And I have got the likes of Silken as an 11-year-old mare, Touch Merchant, the great Touch Merchant as a 12-year-old gelding. And the horse I do remember is Garden Star, and he's listed here as a bay gelding 15 years of age. And uh, I knew he raced to a ripe old age. 14 at that stage, but... Why, look, he was a great horse at the showgrounds, Garden Star. A, a guy by the name of Graham Frost down uh, Cranbourne Way had him, and uh, he he used to absolutely love going around the showgrounds. He also raced him a lot at Geelong and Yarra Valley, or Yarra Glen, as it was called in those days, too. Uh, a striking big chestnut horse. Um, he was really a picture to watch, and, and he was a great performer. Hey, Trotter or Pacer? It sounds like the Trotters okay. are the long... Are the longevity ones, and if so, why over the? Have they got a less arduous racing style that can keep them going longer, career-wise, or? No, probably because they're not going the speed that the paces. Yeah, you know, trotters without any any gear on their legs just lope along, so they don't notice it as much. I would think the speed's not there that a pacer has got. Do you enjoy watching the horses of today as much as the horses of yesterday? Oh, I think you have to. Simone because the, the whole transition of the, of the trots have changed so you've only got one option to watch what's going around now but, but certainly in the older days it was a lot more attractive and a lot more exciting What about you know, and I'll say, I was going to say modern day, this is not quite modern day but probably one of the most famous horses I think of all time was a pacer and he didn't get too far into, I think he got to about 11 Lenny and that was the great pale face Adios who had both longevity at the highest level, we're talking running in feature races as a two year old winning derbies, he was the best horse in Australia as a three year old unequivocally and perhaps one of the best for the next six or seven years of racing 240 starts and he won 108 races, actually we might go to his 100th win, it was a feature race, it was the Cranbourne Cup 
The pale face Addy Oss out after the cricket for a century. He's flashing the tail. He's waving to the crowd. That's what he's doing. He's 15 metres in front. Down the outside, Hannah's boy battling on Jandra Master Kane. But pale face Addy Oss, listen to the mob go mad. This is history in trotting. Harness World Trotting's history it is. This is going to bolt him. Pale face Addy Oss wins 15 metres. Mark Radium second, third. Was wins Lenny, that sort of reminded me of what weighs more heavily to the fans is it longevity or, or or greatness in a horse? And obviously, Pale Fade out pace Adios ticked both those boxes. But do you do the, the how how much of a following do the 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old harness horses get purely because they're part of the furniture? Oh, I don't think these days they have much of a following because nobody knows how old they are. They only, people only look at the form guides and see their names. But but you know, in those uh, days, like. like Palface Adios. I was there that day at Cranbourne, and there, as, as Dan said, there was a massive crowd there. There was helicopters from three television stations there on the infield. He just couldn't move in the place. And after the horse won the race, the the crowd just—they all ran to the mounting yard. You couldn't even get near Colin Pike and Palface Adios. Um, three horses have won over 100 races in the harness world. Obviously, Paleface Adios uh, did. Uh, also, Cane Smoke, which you might mention in a second. And more recently, a horse called Destreos retired in February 2020 as a 16-year-old. He won a race as a 15-year-old. Maddie, you're going to love this. 101 wins. He had 486 starts. And he retired just over two years ago. Um, and, of course, Kane Smoke was the one that I didn't know that well, Lenny, but Kane Smoke was well into the 100 wins. But you remember fondly. I do, only through watching films of it. I never saw him in the flesh, Dan. But, but Kane Smoke, the majority of his career was in far north Queensland, where he raced in Cairns, Rockhampton and um, uh, Mackay, where they had trotting tracks. Of course, it's uh, near the stinker or the up in far north Queensland. And he went to Albion Park on a few times too. That was when they were raced right-handed at Albion Park. So he was a much, much, much travelled pacer. And for those number of wins that you've mentioned, they're probably easy pickings because most of the time in far north Queensland they raced in fields of four and five. What a great name to, to get a popular following up there in the heart of sugarcane oh, country, you. too, to be called Cane Smoke. He's going to get a lot of... Yeah. And Paleface Adios, too. I mean, it, it's such an identifiable name. Lenny, what's the most adulated harness horse? This is probably getting a little bit off script. It might not necessarily be one that had uh, 150 starts, but what's the most... Because you've been around for a lot longer than, than most harness fans, and... What's the one that had him hanging over the fence uh, to reach out and pat as he went past or he or she went past? Is, is it Pale Face Adios? Is, is he the most adulated harness horse in Australia? Or Maori's Idol, for instance? In that category, but I would say Cardigan Bay probably was because everybody loved Cardigan Bay. We've spoken about him before on your program, but, but uh, I mean, he was just a wonderful horse. He, 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 he raced everywhere. He had so many falls. He fractured his hip in a Perth into Dominion and came back and bounced back and then went to the States. He, he won umpteen races over there and uh, one of the conditions which is interesting of the sale to Cardigan Bay was that he'd be returned to his owner um, Mrs Audrey Dean uh, prior to the age of 13. So he probably raced in America when he was 11 and 12.
and there's another horse that you'll be familiar with talking about Queenslander and that's Lancelot Bromack that Dan and I mentioned last week he's had 467 starts and he's still racing uh, quite remarkable as well Absolutely, Simone. I, and, and I, to be quite truthful, I don't know that horse. So um, you've just told me a, a fact there that's quite unbelievable, really. Those ones that retire uh, is, yeah. after, um, you know, like racing so often, like they must race twice a week sometimes or two or three times a week. And it would be in just in their system, wouldn't it, Lenny? They must be hard to retire because they they want to break into a trot every you know, is it hard to retire um, horses that have been racing their whole life for such a long time? I think it probably is because they expect they expect to be taken to the trots or to the races. They, you know, a, a horse that's that age and, and put out in the paddock, he doesn't know what to do with himself walking around in circles in the paddock. He wants to get to the races and be part of the action. Just some notables, uh, notable horses. Um, and really, that we're talking top of the tree here, and I guess that's why they stand out more, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Village Kid, what a great horse Village Kid was. He won 93 races. He had 160 starts. His last race was as a 13-year-old. He won as a 12-year-old. They used to train him like a galloper, Matt. You'd remember those Up days. The beach they actually used to ride him. Yep. Yeah, ride him as if he was a galloper. He'd actually gallop on the beach with the thoroughbreds. And he um, looked a bit Koala... sexy too, didn't he, Village Kid? He was a he lovely-looking horse, yeah. He was more thorough British at the time, yep. wasn't he, than, you know, that standard British look. Uh, Koala King had 210 starts. He won 78 races. Gamma Light had 179 starts, and he won 94. Uh, it's just extraordinary what we would give to have those sort of horses now. Or, or have we got them and we're just not appreciating them, uh, Lenny? Oh, we've probably got them, Dan, but as you say, they're probably not appreciated. Um, for the uh, thoroughbred people listening to the program this morning, they would be astonished with the number of starts these horses have. No, no doubt. Uh, you know what the village kid reminded me of as well? Like the great, uh, un- not an understudy, but in the in the shadow of something even bigger. Like 93 wins, village kid, but he was always in the shadow of Pro Chevalier. Gamalite. Even though Father Glashine and I nearly came to fisticuffs over this discussion one night about Gamalite versus Pro Chevalier, where he was, uh, sorry, Gamalite versus Popular Arm, Lenny, where Father Glash um, was sort of pointing to Gamalite's longevity and the Inter Dominion and all that sort of stuff, and I just said scoreboard. What was the what was the Popular Arm Gamalite ratio? I think it was something like. 27 to 3 or something Poppy's way, wasn't it? Or 19 two. to 3 well, or 2. Were, or... One was the Derby in Adelaide, the South Australian Derby. Gamma Light beat Popular Arm. Popular Arm got knocked down. He got checked a couple of times. He galloped. It was an extraordinary run. I think that was his first start for Vin Knight, and Gamma Light won that race. And was there an Auckland? And then the New Zealand. Almost a 100-metre start for Gamma Light, or a 100-yard start. He couldn't go... It was right-handed. It wasn't. I think the direction yeah. of the track didn't suit Popular Arm. Is that right? He hung up the track. Yeah, yes. he could never handle Auckland the right-handed way of going in Auckland. I mean, that into Dominion where Gamalite beat him in Auckland. Popular Arm had the race absolutely on toast, but he, the home turn came and he lost the plot. He just veered straight to the outside fence. Hey, Lenny and Dan, who and Simone in the Greyhound world, there might be one as well. Which which of the modern era is heading towards this this, this sort of figures? Is there a, is there a trotter or pacer around at the moment who's um, going to be the next one that has three hundred starts and uh, you know and, and gets up to that nearing triple figure wins? Have we got one even at a low level that's just chalking them up? 
Oh, there's lots of horses one. going through their grades here, but they certainly won't reach, reach that number of starts. Yes. Flow meter. Flow meter was high, but he had to. That that rule was brought in about 2015, Matt, where the thoroughbreds can't race beyond 13 years of age. Is there a yeah. harness rule, Lenny? Because they, it seems like they should be allowed a greater range of longevity oh, than the thoroughbreds. These days of occupational health and safety, etc., and rulings. They they feel that a horse, if he comes to that age, could could have you know a heart attack or something and bring the whole field down. You would think if they're in work constantly, though, that the trainers would see if they were showing signs of any distress or that they weren't coping with it. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's I can understand their logic, but you, you sort of think that they're getting cared for more so than other horses, so that you, they would know. Absolutely. Well, you wouldn't see a galloper racing over 10 years of age, Matt, would you? Yeah, Flo Meter, who just retired in South Australia, and oh, they happen mustered, as Dan knows, uh, raced on for a very long age uh, with John McNair. No, they, they're rare, mm. Lenny, they're rare. Uh, uh, you're rare, too. You're, you're a rare man, Lenny. We really appreciate your time this morning on Cracking the Codes. You're our go-to historian. Neil Brown's our greyhound man go-to you're our harness go-to because oh, as we know hutchie has gone mad so we won't we don't use Hutchie. other horses we should get a mention well from what we've been speaking about this morning and one was the trotter third spot an ex-pacer who became a trotter and did very well an old timer by the name of exford petto that was actually claimed in a race by a guy called ralph bird who's not around anymore. Uh, uh, Keith Peterson was his trainer driver, and he raced all in every race that was possible around the state. Just never stopped. Every week he'd go around once, twice, maybe three times a week. Bravado Vale, another trotter, ex-pacer that Frank Hoban had was good, and um, uh, there's been so many of them to go around, and, and people forget about them, but you know, they certainly should be in everybody's memory bank. Good on you, mate. Thanks very much. And we'll, we'll call on you again uh, in the near future, no doubt. My pleasure, Matt. No problem whatsoever. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Maliki, and Simone Fisher. Cracking the Codes. We are cracking the codes and Dan and I have had some great feedback about the show last week when we were talking about greyhounds and horses that had had a lot of starts and we've decided to continue with that theme a little bit this morning and um, greyhounds and horses that have had a lot of wins also. And a greyhound that everyone in Victoria would have heard of many times over, in fact he had 137 starts for 64 wins, which is a terrific effort, is Stagger. And we've got Gary Selkrig joining us this morning on the line, who was the trainer of Stagger. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Simone. How are you Thanks. today? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks for joining us on Cracking the Codes. I know you love talking about Stagger and uh, no doubt he's laying on the couch at the moment. He'll be turning yeah. 13 next week. But when you look back at his career, what a, a fantastic dog he was for you. He was an iron dog. He was a real iron dog, you know. Fantastic dog at home also, you know. He just likes to um, sleep and that and eat ice cream and Kentucky <laughs> Fried Chicken and, you know. He eats what we eat at, at home. So he's been fantastic, actually, you know. He, um, he sort of almost ironically named, it seems, because he, he, was, he didn't stagger at all, did he? Because he got to so many 137 starts and 64 wins. What's the origin of the name? Oh, me stagger, because I'm the one who's staggering. <laughs> <laughs> How did you name him Stagger? I don't know. I don't even know. Honestly, I was just there one morning thinking of names and I just come up with the name Stagger for some reason. I 
Don't even know, honestly. Sixty-four wins, which is quite incredible, isn't it? Sixty. Did you buy all of those photographs? Because you'd need an extra couple of rooms, wouldn't you, if you did? Uh, no. I can't eat pictures, mate. You don't eat pictures, so I, I save me money most of the time. <laughs> well, Gary, he was such a handy dog too because he was in many, many country cups. He was around the circuit for four years, um, just over yeah. four years. He debuted on in a February of 2011 and finished in the March of 2015. Um, yeah. So over that period of time, found himself in country cups. He won a Warrigal Cup final. He was in free-for-alls for most of his career because he was up so high in grade. Yeah. But you took advantage of the veterans' races as well, didn't you? So you, yeah, you were able yeah. to race him against greyhounds of his age. Yeah, and he, and he had some injuries also. Like, he had some um, serious injuries and operations and all that. So quite an iron dog, you know, to have those injuries and race on and... You know, I think he was in the money a hundred and three times out of all his, you know, racing career. So that's, you know, um, effort on its own, eh? He had to have a special quality, though, to be able to win so often. Was he just a, a did he scorch out of the when the lids opened? Was that his to the first turn? What was it that made him so such a winning machine about his racing style? It's average. He just tried. You just you know had a heart and just tried. You know, he, I, I think he just liked to win and just kept trying to win all the time. Let's take a listen to his last win, which which was at Warrigal. It was his 64th win. It was in a free-for-all. Let's take a listen. Racing. One Diego away okay. Stagger shows pace. Just go bang between the pair and Techie China surged across from deep out. They were followed by Mick Mouth in VT Senora. Back towards the tail is Juan Diego up the side leading the way. Stagger. Just go banging behind them. High Commando deeper. Running on his Mick Mo. Getting through on the inside. Stagger still has the lead from High Commando and the old boy Stagger beats them. Stagger first, second across was High Commando, Just Go Bang, Mick Mo and Techie China all there for third and fourth. Then VT Senor, who was back towards the tail of the field, the run 22.77. Hey, Gary, the, the careers of greyhounds is shorter than, the, say, the trotters. And we're, we're talking this morning yeah. about, you know, 15-year-old trotters and, you know, 12-year-old gallopers and so on. But still... 137 starts. It, it, it was a long journey in the context of a greyhound career. Uh, he must have been, come, been like part of the furniture after a while. Oh, yeah, he was part of the furniture for sure. My um, wife at home, she um, um, floats over him a lot. She's always out there of the night. The last thing she does, goes out, makes sure he's okay, you know, rugs on him and he puts blankets. We put extra blankets on him and half the time you can't see him because he's under the blanket <laughs> <laughs> and he crawls out of the morning and he's still got the blankets on his back as, <laughs> as he's walking around he's got the blankets hanging on him, on him still you know <laughs> uh, quite good actually um, you know and his um, nephew record at Hillsville he holds it and it's 18th of August which is his birthday so, ironically, that's amazing. Gary, what did you do throughout his career to train him amongst his injuries as well, to keep him on the track? Believe it or not, you know, all these 
blokes, they go, oh, trial, mad, trial, 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 trial. He had, he, I hardly ever trolled the dog. I just kept him fresh and he just raced week in, week out with no trialling at all. Between his trials, he um, races, no trialling at all, right? But the only place he was at the um, beach, take him down at the beach, you know, from morning and that, walk him along the beaches and that, well, occasionally, and that's it. It's interesting because I uh, there was a seminar, a horse veterinary seminar at uh, Cranbourne Racecourse last week that RSN conducted, and it was all this advice, Gary, about how best to keep your horses on track and to reduce the possibility of injury. And basically yeah. the general message is gallop them less. Found a, find yeah. a way to get them fit uh, without putting the gallop, save galloping for race day. And it sounds that's exactly what you did in this case. Yeah, well, I've got um, others at home that I train exactly like him. And they just keep winning, you know, so... All this troll, 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 I think it's crazy myself. Well, but some trainers will say that... People every argue tro- with me and they'll go, no, you've got to troll, you have to keep trolling, you have to do this, you have to do that. I said, well, you just keep trolling your dogs. All you do is have injuries. They just get injured dogs and my dogs ain't injured. They stay sound. What's the best way to keep them fit without... Doing that, I mean, I know greyhounds are sort of naturally fit anyway. That you yeah. don't have to do a lot with them. Is 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 it a real right. less is more? Is that Get the them, secret? I've hardened them up, right? And after I've hard, you just hand slip them, walking machines, walks, and that, and that, that, that's it, basically. Well, you, pretty you simple, I think. Yeah, it, it is. It shouldn't be too difficult, should it? And you've. You really struck a winning formula there, and um, no doubt yeah. when you got to 50 wins, Gary, that we were talking about that, and he crept up to the 64 wins, 38 placings, and won over. Well, to be honest, 000. right, and I'll and I'll be honest. I think I retired him a little bit early. I oh, pulled don't a pin say on that. Him. No, I pulled a pin on him because I thought, oh no, that that's it now, you know. But after he was home, after he finished, he just wanted to keep racing. Yeah, I so, think a lot of trainers say that the dogs sometimes struggle when they do retire and they're looking for that routine and, and getting out, seeing their mates come out of the kennel. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Because, you know, he after that he was at home in his kennel and he was on racing food and all that. He was on the walker machine and that still, and he just wanted to race and my wife goes to me and I just leave him you know let him rest now and I thought oh yeah well, okay then we'll let him rest he's earn his money paid the mortgage off bought us uh, you know cars he bought us cars and paid the mortgage off holidays all that you know Gee, he ticked a few boxes. He earned, what are you in two hundred and thirty k? The Las Vegas on 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 um, him and all, you know. Gee, he's... well, he he, he earned me um, two hundred and twelve, but you know, I also earned it on the gambling side of it. 
bit too, you know. You didn't successfully bet on him 64 times, did you, Gary? About 49. <laughs> <laughs> when did you know that tonight was the night type thing? Was there a was it a certain uh, box draw scenario? or? Uh, no, he just tries, you know. I just thought he'd, he'd just win most of the times, you know. You know, I asked um, Darren McDonald once, I, I was talking to him, I said, would you be interested in training him? He said, you're doing too good a job yourself. Why would you give him to anyone else? And I, and I thought about it driving home, and I said, yeah, well, <laughs> he might be right, you know. This is a deeply personal question. You've had yeah. 137 starts for 64 wins. What was the biggest night, day or night on the punt? Which of those 64 wins was meant more than the others financially? Um, probably the um, Derby at Ballarat. What odds? Uh, I think he was pretty short that night. He was equal favourite, I think, that night. That, that was the... Um, inaugural um, thing they had there, you know, Derby. It was worth um, 25 grand when he won that night. And plus, I gambled him, and I think I won about eight eight grand on the gamble. Well done. Any siblings? Has he got any try-hard, you know, like so, is the oh, same sort of DNA been stamped through the others as well? Yeah, he's had, he's had heaps of them. He's had heaps of pups. But unfortunately, a lot of his pups were a bit aggressive and they got put out for fighting or doing bad things, you know. But but he also had, you know, champions too, yeah, group he's... winners. So a bit of a mixed bag there, you see. Yeah, look, he's been a, a terrific dog, Gary. We're still talking about him, and it's great that you could chat to us this morning on Cracking the Codes as we're talking about now these greyhounds and horses that have had lots of he's making me wins. feel like I just want to drive home and pat him now. Well, you bloody oh, well, well should. 64 <laughs> wins. He paid off your house, paid for holidays. Buy him some party pies, I think, on the way home. Yeah, get, get him one of the, get him a Big Mac and a, an ice cream on the way home from Macca's. But thanks for well, joining us this Sarah morning. It's got to be Sarah Lee, doesn't it? Ice oh, cream. Well, it's got to be the top shelf stuff. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Blue yeah. ribbon, maybe. Is Sarah Lee actually the top shelf one? I just thought it was the most heavily advertised one back in the day. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the best by I far. Thought, get, it, get, it, get him some Norgwin vase. I reckon that's that, that'll well, top that's, the Sarah Lee. Yeah, yeah. Or a magnum. That's on the podium a as magnum. well. A magnum, yeah, yeah, magnum. yeah. Absolutely. Bonds he likes. Maxi Bond. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the, bond. with the with the with the um the bubble gum in the middle. Is that the Maxi Bond? Yeah, got the biscuit on the ice cream, you know. Yeah, no, outstanding, outstanding. <laughs> hey, good on you, Gary. Your your greyhound stagger is a is a legend. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. I appreciate it. Well, um, what an amazing greyhound, beautifully named. I reckon, ironically, stagger because he staggered to so many wins. Uh, hey, uh. Guys, it's been a lovely theme, hasn't it? I mean, age shall not, shall not weary us, Dan. Yes, very true. Even though <laughs> no, I'm indeed. always going to be that little few weeks older than you. That it's little bit. At least a decade me. younger than us, so she doesn't have to worry about this veteran stuff. Hey, good on you guys. That's, what's that's on? very flattering. What's I wish on, that was true. What's on this weekend, Simone? Um, we've got some horsey things, but tomorrow I am actually going to visit one of the greyhounds that I've rehomed. So, well, that Tune Gabby Lodge actually rehomed for me, but I'm um, going to visit her and her new home. So looking forward to 
catching up with Twiggy. Oh, uh, the Twigster. Dan, good, good luck calling the, uh, especially the Westburn Grant Inter Dominion qualifier tonight. Yep. So lots of interest there at Tabcorp Park. We'll see you next week. Look forward to it. See you guys. See ya.